0: Budget Week we think about the country's finances but perhaps that's a good prompt to start thinking about our own personal finances and today particularly we want to think about how they'll be managed in the event of one's death I want to remind you of the shocking figure we were told a couple of years ago that 75% of South Africans pass away intestate not having drawn up a proper will and that means that they leave the distribution of not only their assets but also potentially the future well-being of their children at the mercy of of succession law rather than in the hands of someone that they trust who clearly understands their personal wishes. Now a new book has just been published which will hopefully encourage you not to land up in that position it's called Get Your Will Right A Guide for Everyone and it is co-written by two people with a long history of dealing with deceased estates. Wendy Mangan particularly a medical aid and deceased estate specialist and chartered accountant Chris Sloan. Chris is with me on the line to talk a little bit more about some of the key issues covered in this very easy to use and accessible book. Chris I think you've done a great job of condensing what a lot of people find very intimidating information into a way that's easy to follow and understand. So thank you uh, for adding this into our book world and thanks for joining us on the show
1: today. Thanks for that. It's great to be with
0: you. Thank you. That 75% figure that I quoted was one that was quoted to us back in Will's week two or three years ago. Do you think much has changed since then?
1: No, I don't think so. We, we get disasters the whole time. People arrive in where there are no wills and uh, we, we, you know, so we can usually help, but as you said, it's not done, not done according to the wishes of the person who's died. Yeah.
0: Chris, I mean, let's just, before we move on, talk a little bit more about what that looks like in reality. If you do die without a will in place, can you just lay it out in, in its bare bones? What is the impact of that?
1: Well, um, if it goes through the law of intestate succession, which, um, so basically, the rules of how to do it. So, you, you first have to get an executor who would typically be the nearest family member, and then you have to set out a, a, a document to the master who the next of are. So, Mm -hmm. you know, typically it might be a wife or a husband and children, or if there are no children, no husband, no wife, it might be the parents or the brothers or sisters. You know, so you put that all. And then according to those rules, we decide who the the beneficiaries are. And the problem, so, so if you were married and you've got no children, it's, it's not too much of an issue because everything goes to the, the surviving spouse. Yeah. But the problem, as soon as they're children, um, the wife gets is get, guaranteed two hundred fifty thousand. But if it's, if the estate's you know more than that, the, chi- the children get their share as well. So, so for example, if there were three children and the wife, uh, and it was a, a million rand estate, all three children and the wife would each get two hundred fifty thousand. Now, you, know, you probably don't want your kids to get that if you haven't got a lot of money, no. and you know, very often the property is the major asset in a in an estate, you know the house. Yeah. So now your kids can are joint owners with the surviving spouse, which if they're friendly, it's fine. But sometimes it's not, it's not. they might they might not be.
0: Mm. So it gets very complicated very quickly, Chris. And the bottom line is it's much better to avoid those tangled complications by setting out your wishes absolutely clearly well in advance. With. I mean, okay, so let's talk a little bit about about the the aim of this book that you and Wendy have written. Obviously, it is to cover the big issues that need to be considered when drawing up a will and to help people understand some of the things that they find complex in, in, in sort of layman's terms. But primarily, you say in your introduction, it's also to help people save money in this process, that a lot of money is obviously being wasted on managing an estate in a, in, in a less than ideal way. Could you elaborate a little
1: bit? Yes, Pippa, the the big problem that we see um, is the appointment of the executors because what what law says is that an executor can charge 3.5% plus VAT on the gross value of the estate, not the net value, Mm -hmm. and they can also take 6% plus VAT on any income earned by the estate. Now, if the estate's only worth half a million, that's fair enough because there is a certain amount of work to be done. But, you know, if you've got a three, four, five million rand estate, which, you know, houses in Cape Town, lots of people have got houses worth that. The the, the executor's fee becomes ridiculous, mm-hmm. in, in our opinion. And, you know, the, you, you speak to some very wealthy people. You can't believe what they're paying, paying executor's fees. And and our big argument is the work that we do on a two million rand estate and the work we do on a 20 million rand estate is virtually the same. And it's mm. actually sometimes easier to deal with the rich people because they tend to consolidate all their assets with one asset manager, Interesting. where the smaller person tends to have done a unit trust here yeah, and done this endowment yeah, over mm. their lives. So so the executor has more work to do on the smaller estate. and the bigger estate, sometimes they're very simple.
0: Interesting. So yeah, that and makes... You know, yeah,
1: so, carry on. So you know, just taking it further with the value of the house, so if I've got a 1000000 Rand townhouse... Um, the executor can charge 3.5% to get that transferred to the, the surviving spouse. But if I've got a 10 million rand house, the executor can charge 350,000 for literally just getting hold of the conveyance and saying, do this transfer, here's mm-hmm. some documents, what do you need me to sign
0: so the choice of the executor and the agreement on their fees becomes a very crucial part of of the process then. Chris, what advice on who can or can't be an executor and what, what factors you need to consider when, when um, assigning somebody to be your executor?
1: Yeah, well, I, I think the first thing is there's no such thing as a free will. Mm-hmm. So the banks and a lot of institutions say, oh, we'll do your will for free. Well, it is for free, but they insert themselves as the, as the executors and they don't. Agree on a fee, so you know comes the day and they just charge their three and a half percent. And interesting, in the banks if the estate's worth less than two million, sometimes they say oh, we don't want it. You mm-hmm. know so then you've got to find an executor anyway. So. I think there are two two choices you either find someone who you agree with a fee up front and and obviously that that has to be built in with inflation you know I can't quote a fee for no something I'm going to do in 20 years but you say okay we we charge roughly in this band and that will increase with the CPI over the years or the alternate and, and maybe the best idea in a lot of cases is to make your spouse or your most competent child as the executor and we don't like estates where the, the 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 deceased thinks that all four children must become executors. It just leads to problems and fights. So you choose the 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 exec, the child who lives in South Africa first of all, because you've got to have a local executor. And when when the death happens, if that child's competent, he he or she can shop around and say, right, you know, what are you going to charge us to do this estate? This is what's in it. This is what has to be done. Mm-hmm. Will you do it? And as I said, the surviving spouse can also do that. But you've you've got to also bear in mind, that spouses can pass away together quite easily in a, in a motor accident. So yeah. we also always advise that you say, okay, I'm nominating my spouse, or should he or she be unable to act, I'm nominating my child, whoever, or, or one of my children.
0: Okay, so you've very clearly answered the question that's come through about whether a family member can be an executor. The answer is absolutely yes. yes. Somebody else asking whether somebody who is a beneficiary of the will can be an executor at the same time.
1: Yes, yes, the beneficiary, you can be, be an executor. Pippa, um, just to go back yep. on that though, although, although the, say, the son is appointed as the executor, he doesn't really have to do the work. Well, he, he, he can help that what the master of the high court does, the appointment does, he he won't do, he, he won't issue that letter of executorship without a letter from a CA or an attorney who, who deals with estates saying, I will help Joe do this estate. So, so to all intents and purposes, once Joe is appointed, then we get him to sign a power of attorney to say, okay, Chris can do all the work, mm-hmm. and then we carry on doing the work, and the family generally do do quite a bit of the work and that that again gets you know is one of my irritations with you know these these big charges because the family usually make sure the house is nicely prepped and fixed up for sale. The family usually get rid of the car and you know they they do more the running on the, the stuff that 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 is, is in the house where mm-hmm. at, at the the, ex, the professional executive like me we tend to deal with the banks and the unit trust companies and the shares that those sort of things right.
0: Chris, somebody asking, is it advisable for a husband and wife to have a joint will or should you really each have your own separate will?
1: I I prefer separate wills. You can have joint wills, but um, I prefer separate wills. It's a matter of choice, but but I do see quite a lot. Um, And if you do have separate ones, it's also better that, you know, as soon as one has died, that the other one should... um, you know, should do a new will because then you have to sometimes have to track it down in the master's offices. And we've had a few disasters recently where they just can't find old files. So it's safer that you both have one.
0: Speaking of the master's office, I know there have been long standing issues with terrible delays processing estates to the master's offices. Have, have those improved at all, Chris?
1: Um, Pepper, we deal mainly with Joburg. We don't have any problems. Joburg is okay. a dream to deal with. Um, nice Cape idea. Town is yeah. quite efficient, although slow. Um, some of the other master's offices are a bit of a nightmare um, But as I say, I, the, the Cape Town, they're quite strict and slow But they get things done And they, I haven't heard of files going missing it the Cape, Town's, the, the Cape
0: Town office. Okay, that's that's reassuring to hear. Look, before we run out of time, um, I want to just tell listeners that if you get your hands on a copy of this book, it's a, a small, easy to read, very accessibly written book and there are chapters dealing with everything from SARS and taxes, taxes to the distribution of individual assets and drawing up a wish list for who should get which granny's ring and that kind of thing, but also some very helpful checklists in the back of the book that can help you sort of collect all the important information Information in one place, which we've heard time and again is a very helpful thing to do uh, for those who will have the job of, of working on your estate after you've gone, to, to have all of the information around what assets you own and what is the access code for this particular you know, unit, trust account, etc. All in an accessible place. They're very helpful guidelines in this book to help you plot out that kind of information. I think we've got time to answer one more question though and it's uh, one from a listener who asks, what about the will of somebody who has dementia? Once they have been diagnosed. Can they legally change their will or draw up a living will, for example?
1: Um, legally, the answer is no. Um, it's, it's a problem because um, you know, if you've got dementia, most people don't get a curator appointed. Yeah. So you you can get a curator appointed, and the curator could do the will, but it's a very expensive. Um, a very expensive. Uh, process it is, takes yeah. quite a long time. Yeah, so it it is a big problem. Um I don't know, I suppose the advice is to try and catch somebody on a good day when they are vaguely, really, you know, are, are competent, but it it is a big problem and you know then the master sometimes queries older people when their handwriting is so wobbly and say do was this sign you know, was this yeah. person competent to do it?
0: So I mean again the bottom line here, Chris is do it sooner rather than later. Yes. Do it when you're in the best of help with no expectation that anything yes. is going to go wrong for years to come. Do it while you're competent mentally, while you have all your wits about you, and, and, and can do it and put it aside. And yeah. uh, I mean, revisit it from time to time, obviously, re- as re- one's life ch- re- changes,
1: though. Yeah, revisit regularly. That's, okay. that's our advice.
0: Chris Sloan, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon and thank you for a very helpful book. Now, for those who are asking for the details, it's called Get Your Will Right, A Guide for Everyone, written by Chris Sloan, who you've just been listening to, as well as Wendy Mangan. It is published uh, by Penguin Random House and you can find a copy for just 160 rand in your uh, your local bookstore uh, if you are looking for it. Get Your Will Right. Thank you again to Chris Sloan.